Ten Hail Marys, I meditate for practice. Channel 9 News, tell me I'm moving backwards. Eight blacks left, deaf is around the corner. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Hey, everyone. It's Rex. And Sonia. Welcome yeah. back. Yeah, still stuck in quarantine. Nothing has changed since the last time we recorded. Yes, but I'm glad we're still recording in quarantine. And um, well, how you been, Sonia? Good. I mean, as good as we can be in these what brands are calling unprecedented times. <laughs> I hate that term so much. I'm like so annoyed every time I hear that. It's like unprecedented times, these challenging times. It's like the most overused you know, phrase in the last four months. It's BS. Just so everyone knows, Rex is totally over it. He's true millennial trash, going back into the office. Yeah, well, I'm taking, I'm yeah, I'm going back into the office, wearing a mask, sitting in my own conference room. So we're all pretty socially distanced at work. It actually sounds like you have a pretty good setup. Yeah, we'll see how long it goes until maybe California is shutting down again in a few weeks. Yeah. I, I would bet money on that. If anyone listening wants to take up those odds against me, I will bet you money we will shut down again. <laughs> but yeah, other than COVID, there's so much happening in the world. And yep. we actually have a special guest today here on that Millennial Trash podcast. My good friend Katie is here. I don't know if everyone remembers, but Katie was here to talk about the ghost stories, the special we did for Halloween in the episode where her and I told the story about the ghost in our college dorm. Katie and I, that's where we met. We were roommates in college and it, it was haunted. But, but he was a friendly ghost, so it was all right. Exactly. No, no one was harmed. And we, did, we minded our business. He minded his. And everyone was safe from blood. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, you know, beyond ghosts, you know, we're fighting this other invisible enemy. And no, I'm not talking about COVID-19, talking about racism in America. And um, the reason I asked Katie to guest on this pod today was because right when Black Lives Matter started trending, she totally called it. Katie. Do you want to explain your prediction? So essentially, when everyone decided on Blackout Tuesday that they were going to post nothing but a black square, I thought, what is this doing? How is this helping anyone? How is this educating anyone? And pretty much the answer was, it's not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I thought, well, how can I sort of force people in a fun way to learn more and get more perspective from Black people in the Black community without overwhelming them and making them just turn off their whole brain to this whole Black Lives Matter movement. And that's pretty much how I came up with Movies in Full Color, which essentially we watch a movie and every two weeks we come and discuss it over Zoom for about an hour. Um, and then everyone sort of learns at least something new or if they didn't learn something new from the movie, they learned something new from what other people are saying in our discussions. That's cool. 
and it's definitely been eye-opening I think people are learning like truly learning yeah for sure what movies have you guys watched um so the first week we watched LA 92 uh the second week we watched Just Mercy the third week we watched Do the Right Thing and the fourth week which will be tomorrow um we watched 13th which is a documentary on netflix yes. that's really good it was so, so. good <laughs> nice well that's pretty cool how, how do i get join this club of yours it sounds pretty fun um so there's a link in my instagram bio <laughs> um, <laughs> um but you could always just um look it up through sonia as well <laughs> also, <laughs> Yeah, I'll take a look. So I guess um, diving into the conversation itself. So like you mentioned that noticeable black square that a lot of people were posting a month or two ago. Um, in your eyes, wasn't that significant or that much of a you know like a, a push forward to, in the movement to you know highlight but also signify the importance of Black Lives in. Uh, you know, America and also around the world. What made you um, skeptical about the whole "quote unquote" Black Square movement or initiative? And um, yeah, let's, I guess we start from there. Yeah, well, a lot of it was the people who were posting it. I know, you know. I, I mean, a lot of people who posted it were my friends, but I've never heard them say anything remotely in support of Black Lives Matter or anything like that. Um, one of my friends was so adamant and like messaged me to tell me that I should post a black square. And then <laughs> when she that, told you? Yeah. She told me <laughs> to post the a phone. black square. And Hold then the phone. we should let everyone <laughs> listening. Katie is a black woman. Not black. <laughs> Yeah. Someone messaged you to, to tell you to post a black square. Yeah. I, I think she oh my God. was probably just making the rounds of all her friends like, oh, everyone post this square. Um, and then when that kind of fell apart during that day, she messaged me again and oh said, God. don't post the square. Post <laughs> it as your profile picture instead of just on your feed. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Does anyone know how or who started this Black Square thing? Like, who's actually the, the planner? I looked into it because this whole thing was annoying me that day. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually started with the music companies. Like, uh -huh. they were blacking out their music so that, like, actual words could come up. Mm -hmm. But then I think everyone took it as, oh, well this, this, and this artist that I like are going to do this blackout thing. I'm going to do this blackout thing too. And then I think it just spiraled out of control. Mm -hmm. But I, that is, from what I understand, how it started. But then it just ended up kind of messing up all the information that people needed for Black Lives Matter. So oh. not helpful. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I feel like for me... I saw the black squares and were not being posted online that day. Like I am 1000% on the whole Black Lives Matter like movement side of things. But I didn't post a black square. 
because in my honest opinion, it's like posting a black square does nothing for the actual like actions and progress towards change. Mm-hmm. Like getting out into the streets, going to a protest, signing petitions, making donations, supporting black businesses or things that actually kind of take things in that direction. Those are things like I did in some sort of way. So like I felt no like motivation or pressure to post a black script because I knew like I was getting out in the world and doing stuff on my own. So I think it's like almost like a cop out for some folks who, you know, like, oh, I did I posted my black square, I did my part, brush my hands, move on, which is kind of annoying. In your opinion, like, do you think the black square actually made the, like, I guess the movement, or actually, let me take a step back. Do you think the black square uh, initiative made people more aware of the Black Lives Matter movement, or do you think it just kind of just didn't really do anything at all? I think the fact that it turned into a hot mess was what actually brought it brought it, like the attention to the forefront. Yeah, because I, I feel like if they hadn't have done that and freaked out a whole bunch of people and made a whole bunch of people annoyed, um, <laughs> then they wouldn't have scrambled afterwards in that week or two where everyone was sharing things. Mm-hmm. No one would have scrambled to make sure that they had the longest Instagram story they could with information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And um, Sonia, you're a big content creator online. How did you feel about the whole like Black Square stuff? Yeah, so I was totally ignorant, did not see that the trendiness of it was a problem until Katie pointed it out to me. And even then, you know, I was like, well, I think it's good for people to post to get the word out. But I was so optimistic and naive. I didn't think that it would tie down like it has, like Katie told me it would. The problem is that the black squares made it a trend. They made it this like peer pressure thing. Like you're saying, Rex, people felt pressured to posture Mm -hmm. and um, perform. And then I guess on the other side, pressure their friends directly. Like, Katie, I can't imagine how you felt when your friend <laughs> messaged you <laughs> about it. I guess there was this overwhelming, like, f- freneticness. Yeah, now I can see, you know, thanks to Katie, that that was actually probably more harmful. Um, and then, like, because I post a lot, I also watch a lot uh-huh. of content, and I have definitely observed like in our corner of the internet the millennial trash corner that people have slowed down like Mm -hmm. they have slowed down posting about it and that is the problem yeah so yeah like you that's a good uh little segue but i think before diving into that i think well i learned that Katie, from what you said like the the origination of the black squares kind of stem from the music industry and if you think about it black culture is pretty much the driving force in the music industry without you know like talented black artists and whatnot the music industry will be nowhere where it's gonna be and i think i was i was actually reading some stuff online about how like the black, uh, music industry wasn't doing enough enough to support the movement and it's kind of funny that they came up with this black square as more so like a saving face type of tactic right 
And I think that kind of parlays into uh, the last couple of months where brands were kind of speaking up in saying that they support the movement, but also can also way to like during Corona too, like how people, how brands were responding to Corona. So I think over the last couple of months, we saw a flurry of responses of how giant companies uh, position themselves during the pandemic, but also during this social injustice. And I don't know, like in your guys' opinions, do you think these stances by companies are genuine? Or do you think some are genuine, some are just like doing it just to not get called out? Or what are you guys' thoughts are of these big companies like publicizing their stance on like we're with Black Lives or not saying anything at all? Like, what do you guys think? I think some are doing it the right way and some of them aren't. I mean, we all know the example of Ben and Jerry's where they've been working the hardest, but they've also been doing this for years and years. It's just everyone now sees it again. But the companies where they have a history of just like an all white exec board and, um, you know, donating to like more conservative politicians, that kind of thing. I see it as just them saving face for a few months and they're not going to hire anyone um, from any minority group in their exec board. They're not going to make any changes. Um, So then it's just kind of, hey, look, we did this thing for a month and we donated such and such amount of money that would have been like the bonus to one of our exec teams. Uh, (laughs) Like that kind of thing. I'm just like, well, all right, but what does this actually do? Nothing. Yeah. Gosh, that's so, so on point. And the other thing I would add too is that I don't think companies, like if you think about these bigger companies who actually, you know, fund lobbyists in DC, I think that they are not going to push for social good. Mm -hmm. And like Katie said, it's like they just want to throw money at it. But what we really need their influence to do is like to influence policymakers and lawmakers Mm -hmm. so that we can start to address like the systemic oppression. You know, if they could put their corporate funding into lobbyists who would push for you know, better public education in lower income neighborhoods, more support for childcare in lower income neighborhoods, things like that, they could actually impact the, like a change from the, a root cause. It's depressing that that probably won't ever happen. But I do think as consumers, we should be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope everyone listening right now has thought about like where their dollars are going. And like maybe as consumers, we just need to be more thoughtful and research harder about who we're supporting. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think uh, one of the initiatives that stood out to me by a company was by Netflix. I think they were, they stated that they were gonna transfer like several hundred million dollars to black owned banks, which is actually really cool for them. And then, and that's a big issue. Uh, that's a big issue, right? You're moving the dollars and funding towards these, I guess, non-white financial institutions, right? These the big guys, and putting into more like, uh, quote unquote, smaller institutions, and providing with the capital, right? If banks get the capital, they can invest in the communities, invest in 
uh, venture capital, uh, startups and companies and stuff and right. empower that field versus giving it to like you know, a JP Morgan or a Citibank or stuff like that who are, are just going to fund the typical stuff that's they've been doing for the last hundred years or so. I like their thinking on that. I wish more companies would be that thoughtful. I don't know what you think, Katie, but that seems like a bigger step in the right direction. Yeah, I definitely didn't know that Netflix had done that. I do think it is helpful that Netflix is starting to create more content with minorities as leads. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I've seen that a lot in the past couple years. So hopefully things like that where shows will do very well with multi-racial casts, hopefully that will then at least maybe open the conversation to have a multi-racial exec board in mm. companies and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like, it's not talk the talk, also walk the walk. Mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think a good example of, I guess on my side, is like during the, uh, the movement and the uprising, there was some like a lot of activity on my company's Slack page asking if what the comp- what story my company is going to do, you know, are we going to speak up? Have we haven't said anything yet? How can we just say we're pro Black Lives Matter? And then I guess there was a lot of, um, you know, chatter, but then I kind of posted something saying that, and I actually found a meme online and you might have, might have, might have seen it, but it's like some very generic, like almost like a Mad Libs thing where we at industry company here support Black Lives Matter. We, stand for justice on this other like kind of very generic language where you strive for diversity mm-hmm. and I kind of posted that meme in the general say hey let's not be this <laughs> let's <laughs> let's actually post like what actions the company's going to take what are we actually doing and if we're not going to do anything don't post anything at all because like don't be just a generic stating company you know and actually the ceo like liked it gave it a thumbs up and actually spoke about that in that all hands meeting but eventually he was like yeah like let's be a company that takes action and Companies from there on, the company was going to develop some like apprenticeship or programs that help uh, underserved communities learn how to do like IT and tech, like how to develop inf- IT infrastructure and all this other stuff. So, to some point, it's about education, right? You're providing the tools to communities that need it and help them uplift the communities themselves versus just posting a generic message online and that doesn't really do much at all. Yeah. And then it's up to us. I mean, I like how people within your company brought it up, Rex, but what I wonder and what I ask of all our listeners is like, can we bring it up next year too? You know, can we keep bringing it up, keep these companies accountable? Because very much like the people who posted black squares and then moved on and never did actions outside of that, I do feel like it could be the same kind of trendiness within companies too. Yeah, like totally. Netflix could move all their money to the banks, but then still never hire. Yeah. True. You know. No, it's true. Well, yeah. So I think Sonia might've touched on this, but then it kind of parlays into the next topic. It's like with a lot of the action happening, you know, like a month or so ago and whatnot, but then things are quote unquote kind of losing steam. Like, like Sonia said, she's seen less posts about her social media. There's been less media coverage about like protests and movements, even though they're still going on. There's still a lot going on. If the, I guess, 
the movement is still going strong, but the actual public awareness of it is kind of losing steam. What do you think? Well, one, what do you think? Why do you think it's perceived to be losing steam? And then how do we, you know, make that not a thing? How do we ensure that, you know, that there's still a lot of injustice out there, a lot of things that are unsolved? And how do we keep that going? My first, first part is like, do you think it's losing steam or do you think it's more so, you know, like not being given that proper attention that it was a few weeks ago or are people not caring anymore? Or yeah, what are you guys' thoughts? Um, well, I think it's definitely losing steam. I do realize that it's 2020 and every week there's a new horrible thing going on in the world. But <laughs> <laughs> But I do think a lot of it was people just wanting to like, you know, get rid of the peer pressure, do whatever you needed to do for a week or two, and then move on to whatever you were doing before. I mean, even in our movie club, when we first started it, 30-ish people had signed up. Um, in the first meeting, about 20 showed up. And then our last meeting, now we have 40-something people signed up, and only about 15 showed up for the meeting. So I can tell that people are getting bored. I don't know if if it's more that so many people posted about it and it was just like a giant avalanche of information that just overwhelmed everyone and then they just wanted to distance themselves from it or if they were just you know kind of faking it the whole time that that's so disturbing like i mean that is the real question right was everyone faking it and i do feel like i feel like i've heard this term and i kind of get it but I it's new to me but like people kind of wanting their ally cookies have you guys heard that (laughs) (laughs) like looking at uh dismantling racism as just like a couple boxes you can check as if it was like going to the dentist annually like oh I, I signed one petition I posted a black square I'm done I'm I've helped I've I've been an ally and I don't think that that's, I mean, let's be clear, that's not going to help. This is a, such a large problem we're facing. Like Rex said, it's, it's probably going to be decades and decades, maybe not in our lifetime that we see this come down, but we should still be working towards it every day. And I mean, Breonna Taylor's killers still have not been arrested. Mm-hmm. And it's like people have moved on with their lives and i'm just not quite sure why definitely like racism doesn't end overnight so it it requires almost a perpetual like momentum and energy and fight to get it done with you know right (laughs) it took years and years of energy to create the system so you have to think about it in the way that if it took all these years to build up the system can signing one petition one time in one year help undo like hundreds of years <laughs> yeah. yeah and imagine how much work and like how many cities have to be torn apart just to get those cops in minneapolis arrested right it's like take yeah. the damn city just to get them like in custody and so that's pretty nuts and imagine like so definitely you're not gonna overcome any sort of racism like within a, a month or so 
But I kind of want to add a question related to losing steam for both of you guys. Again, you can be honest. You don't have to be honest. But do you judge your social network of people, of friends, family, (laughs) if they're not as active about or as tuned in or as, you know, like, as expressive as you are, you know, about the Black Lives Movement? I do. I do judge people. The way I looked at it was I didn't care if you posted the black square. I cared about what you did after. So the friends that I have who are still posting, even if it's just one like post a week, that's like, oh, hey, sign this petition to get Brianna's killers, you know, like convicted. Then I'm like, oh, okay, you still care. Um, But the people who didn't post a black square haven't mentioned anything, haven't reached out to me, haven't joined the club. I'm like, do you really care? I mean, you can be on social media and not want to post a bunch. I mean, in general, I have only posted about um, the club. I, I posted my views on the Black Square the day that happened, but I don't post every day about it. Mostly I post food. So so I get it. I don't think everyone needs to live in this whole, I need to be Black Lives Matter all day, every day, trying to fix it. Like Mm -hmm. that's not sustainable. Um, But just every week doing one thing, like even if you say, oh, I signed this petition, please sign it just once a week. I, I feel like then I would feel more okay with these people, but then I'm just thinking, okay, most of my friends are white. How much do they actually care about me as their friend if mm-hmm. they don't post anything? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yes, hugely judgmental. <laughs> and I think I'm like more extreme about it than Katie even because I, you know, and We can talk about, I feel like both of you are more introverted than I am. And it's, it's hard for me to all like, (laughs) it's hard for me to sympathize with that. (laughs) I just think that using your voice to amplify a movement includes your social media. So like, I don't care if you don't usually post on social media, it's not about you. It's Mm -hmm. about amplifying this movement and keeping that avalanche that Katie's talking about because it's a rising tide effect. Every drop of water in the ocean makes the tide rise. It raises awareness. It's like exponential. It's really interesting because I can compare it to how coronavirus spreads. Like Mm -hmm. if I post to my five followers and they all post to their five or 10 followers, there's this exponential effect. It's math where more and more people hear about why Black Lives Matter and why we shouldn't let this movement die. And I feel like, you know, because it is personal, like Katie just mentioned, I think we should, you know, pause and really think about that. Like, it's so personal to people. Mm -hmm. Why would you not publicly want to show your support? even if it's not for math and for the rising tide, even if it's just for your friends. Like I just, I don't understand why you wouldn't. So I fully judge them 
and I judge them really harshly. And you can bet I am telling the people in my mind, and I don't care if this makes me sound super judgmental, because now is not the time to stay silent. I just feel so strongly about that. Yeah, no, definitely agree. And uh, what role do you think the media has in, I guess, calming the flames of this movement? Because if you notice, there hasn't been much coverage of like any protests or demonstrations much lately. It's shifted back towards Corona, which makes sense. Corona is still a big thing, but then it's no like dual coverage of both big topics, right? Outside of like the big Portland um, uh, stuff happening right now, I feel like there's not been minimal like minimal coverage compared to what it was like last month. But how influential do you think uh, the media? How influential do you think the media is in like calming those uh, those flames of the movement? I feel like in some ways they created a problem because them showing too much of all of that, I mm-hmm. feel like, again, it like overwhelmed people. They got tired of it. They got sick of seeing it constantly. Like my Republican grandma and aunt were both like, oh, an- another day we see, all we see is coronavirus and protests. Like I'm so tired of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, then it kind of just goes over their head, like the point of of the protest. Like, I think it's good to say, oh, we're still protesting in the media, but I think they probably overdid it. And now they're just not covering it at all because they probably got complaints or they saw that their ratings were going down because they kept covering the same thing. Um, and then, so them not covering it all is pretty much just as worse or just as bad um, as them covering it too much. I never thought about it like that. I feel like we keep coming back to this idea of like oversaturation, like mm-hmm. oversaturation with on, on social, oversaturation with the media. Like do you, Katie, I, would you suggest, you know, as someone who does post like literally daily, on Instagram <laughs> that people kind of vary their content. Do you think that that would be effective in helping keep this momentum up while not letting it die? Yeah, I do think that would help, especially because I do think some people are just not ready for some reason, you know, to fight for people's human rights. So I think that would help to see different things every once in a while and then you know bring it back and say hey by the way (laughs) don't forget (laughs) don't forget about people's human rights (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. and also you think it's like fatigue also there's like say like if you're really active in the movement they're going out every single day it's been like a month and a half or so it's kind of like and you're it gets it wears you down like i do feel like like if I'm out there every day, like uh, making my voice heard, it's tiring too, right? And also, like I had these thoughts about protests and stuff, like from years ago, where like I'm all for it, but then sometimes you need, I guess, uh, the man in quotes to actually approve and make the changes, right? And then if we're we the people, like are trying to chip away at this giant rock, but it's not making much of a, a dent that kind of wears you out over time. So I think that's like almost like a tactical play by big government to like wear out the citizens. 
But anyways, I digress. But do you think it's like also like just fatigue of like folks just like, uh, you know, because like protest, moving a movement is a lot of work. Like we talked about, like it takes a lot of work just to get that word out there. Yeah, I think in general, everyone does get tired at some point, which is why I think you shouldn't, I mean, if you're, leading a movement then obviously you're going to put your all into it and a lot of your time but it's not like those people are are doing it 24 7 like every once in a while they're going to stop and watch the office or something (laughs) (laughs) so i think people do get tired and they need a break and sometimes they just can't do it 24 7 i mean that's part of why I wanted to do the movie club it's four hours every two weeks and that's it like it's not a book that will take you hours to read like so I feel like it's more accessible I think that's kind of how we have to look at it for the masses like it just needs to be accessible so people don't get tired yeah like me too I felt like fatigued from like more sort of content like what Sonia mentioned because I was actually getting just sick of seeing a lot of racist shit on like my social I just like really just started pissing me off like the videos and whatnot mm-hmm. and then um and then just reading like comments and stuff and just seeing like the variety of different like uh perspectives on everything like if you know like if things don't kind of like like say there's a lot of like trolls out there just saying stupid shit and kind of it's annoying right when you're trying to like move like a really serious effort but also I noticed too in some of the content I was seeing that a lot of the it was kind of interesting to see like how like some Asian folks were like had a, a pretty unique perspective to like the whole BLM protests and whatnot. Like I follow a few like Asian American uh, content IG handles, like more like fun, jokey stuff. But then they kind of like posted some serious things about, oh, protests in LA or protests in so-and-so city. But then it was received, interestingly enough, by like, some, uh, I would say negative, but kind of like feedback saying, oh, like, um why should we care about the black community when no one cares about the asian community right or why should we go fight for their uh racism when racism was against asians during the whole coronavirus outbreak and stuff so it's kind of interesting to see i guess the split in people really gung-ho for blm but other people was like uh like i don't care that much because what 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 does it do to help me out, right, as an Asian American person. So it was really intriguing to see, because like for me, like, again, I'm, I'm full support of it. I have a lot of, you know, black friends. I can say like, I'm a big fan of black culture, being music and arts and stuff like that. So I'm like all on board. So I'm like, but then there's a lot of people too, like I'll, I'll admit too, like Asians are pretty, so like older Asians are kind of like racist in their own part. Like we're very, like, well, they're very conservative. Imagine coming from, a world moving to America where you have no language, don't have a community and whatnot. So then they were getting picked on a lot. So they d- develop almost a sense of racism for a sense of security because like, everyone was like, you know, picking on the Asian folks and eventually they get older. And I know a lot of old Asian folks are kind of like racist, like they're like not big fans of like white folks and black folks and so forth. Like, so it's just more, for, more based on like fear and timidness. So I think that carries forward in like the Asian community a lot. And I think you hear, uh, like for me, like I know that it's like a, almost a quasi-racism that exists in the Asian field. Um, so not too surprised to see the feedback on that side. Uh, Sonia, being a white woman, how do you, what, is your, what are your thoughts within that 
uh, populace. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the problems with the information overload that Katie made the good point about is that we skipped over this important pertinent step in that we, I think, and when I say we, I mean like our corner of the internet again. I'm thinking like my social network, the accounts I follow, the things we've talked about here, and like in general people around our age, like we never examined our privilege. We just went straight to either you support BLM or you don't. And like there was no education in between. And there are resources out there for this. And I think there's conversations still developing on this kind of stuff, but to like recognize who you are within the system, within the racist system, and realize that our, our country is set up with white supremacy in mind. So, you know, me as a white woman, like I have a lot of privilege and I, I still fall into a category where I can be oppressed because I'm a woman, but I'm also white. And like understanding that intersectionality and like some of the things you touched on Rex, like Asians are a minority, but they also have privilege because they're Asian and not black, right? And like police are treating these different minorities differently and I would get treated differently as well. And I think we skipped this like really important (laughs) examination of ourselves individually and how we fit into the system Mm -hmm. and understanding that we all have internalized racism. Even you mentioning like I have black friends and I love black music and black culture, like yes and you will never know what it's like to be a black person, nor will I. And like, we missed that part of the conversation. And I think like, I've talked about this with Katie, like white women have been completely unhelpful in that. And they're not even rejecting it straight up like that cohort of Asian Americans you're speaking on. They're just like ignoring it. And -hmm. it's because of their privilege and it's because they don't realize their privilege and It was kind of shocking. Again, I'll say I was ignorant and naive because to me, if you're going to like the women's protests last year, you have to support BLM because black women are the most oppressed out of our woman cohort. But there were so many of our friends that had had posted about those women's marches, but never did anything you know, beyond posting a black square for BLM. So I think there's a lot of, we didn't ever have that conversation and we need to about why, about how our privilege lines up and why we need to support Black Lives Matter no matter, you know, what oppression you have experienced yourself. Yeah, I'm totally, totally weird on that. Katie, Uh, I mean, we have (laughs) similar friends. So you've seen seen the white women too, like feel free. to speak on them. Well, I do have to say in a small defense of (laughs) our white women friends, my, or the movie club is pretty much all white women, right? So like, we don't have any white men, um, except for one who, who's shown up once and a different male who is half, uh, Mexican and that's it. It's just women. In the club, so I think too we have to see 
how to get more men involved with this as well. Because, I mean, we, we see a lot of white women not doing anything, but I would say I see more white men not doing anything. Mm, good, good <laughs> point. And if we, if we don't get the majority on our side, you know, how, how far can we go on our own? I'm not sure. So I think we have a pretty lengthy convo about a lot of things. Uh, obviously, it's a pretty heavy topic, right? So um, I think everyone's pretty appreciative for being really candid and sharing information and whatnot. But like we mentioned, things are not even barely scratching the surface of getting anything changed yet from a big picture standpoint. But where do you guys see things going in the next, I guess, few months, say, to the end of the year? Obviously, COVID is still rampant, but then where do you see BLM, but also the, the stance against social injustice and racism going in the next few months? We have the election coming up in November. Protests are still going strong. But where you can, you can speak about it from a big picture or more of like a personal uh, perspective of things. Uh, where do you guys see things heading in the next um, next half of the year, I guess? Well, I guess that's kind of twofold. Like there, it's where I actually see things going as a, I'm sort of a pessimist. Yeah. Um, and where <laughs> I would like to see them going. I think in general at this point, most people are just done. They're kind of, they're just over it. They're probably not going to jump on the bandwagon again until the next big thing happens, right? And I don't know if that'll be like next month. I don't know if that'll be three years from now. That's where I see it going. Where I would like to see it going is to just have people educate themselves, not just in the experiences and learning about racism, but also educating themselves on politicians and knowing which politicians will vote to help um, end racism and end the system or systemic racism. Essentially, I just want to see people do the work, do the research to make sure that this ends instead of just continuing to vote for the next white guy who will you know, keep this whole train to nowhere going. Yep, yep. I agree. There's a lot of stupid people in this world that are just holding up change. We just gotta get them out of here. Yeah, I agree. Research on the politicians is really important, especially because one of the things I keep seeing, and by the way, all our listeners are invited to the movie club. It will truly <laughs> blow your mind. It will accomplish the education that Katie is talking about. But one of the things that I've learned that I keep seeing in all these movies is a lot of what holds up racism is how our government functions. And so I think that the politicians is really important. It's like Katie said, good point. What I would like to see is for us to have a democratic president, not necessarily because he's the best choice, or he's the perfect ideal candidate, but because I think that he will do more good than harm versus a Republican candidate mm -hmm. for progress and to, you know, continue this, you know, stop the train to nowhere, but continue a train 
towards a better future and a better country. And then I think like on a personal level, what I'd like to see is just people to let go of their notion of what it means to be racist and not be afraid to be called a racist, but understand that that's a learning opportunity and that we all, we are all, as I said before, racist because we were raised in a society that promotes it. I'd really like to, like you said, Rex, reading the comments on Instagrams, I really wish people would not lose their cool when being called out, but instead just try to come from a place of understanding. What I think might happen is that I think that the responsibility might fall on us as like younger people to not shut up about this. And even if a majority of people we've already lost in the information overload, you know, maybe they have a conversation with their friend or they hear this podcast and they get back on the train and those people who never fell off are louder than ever so that we don't let this completely die. Because I just, you know, if, if we go silent again, like as millennials, honestly, we have not done a lot. Like Gen Z, in my opinion, has been the voice of climate change, not us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, can, can we be a voice as a generation or are we always just going to be complicit? And then I guess on my side, one interesting thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is how, like we've talked about how the steam is kind of like, is being lost in the movement, but sports is starting back up like next week. Baseball's coming back. Mm. And, back. Yeah. and I think the NBA has really stepped up to really push the BLM awareness so players could pick instead of their last names in their jersey they could pick like a a statement they could put on the back so they could say like black lives matter or i can't breathe or and a whole list of different like social injustice related uh statements wow. also all the basketball courts will have black lives matter like painted on the court like on center court which was pretty big so if you're watching on tv you definitely see it and I think baseball, like, they're doing, like, um, training camp right now, whatever, but, like, there was a bunch of players, like, uh, taking, kneeling, doing a a national anthem. So I think with sports ramping back up, it might pick up uh, steam behind the movement again if uh, players, especially in the NBA, where it's, like, 80% African-American, they're going to use that platform to make sure people don't forget. So I'm actually really intrigued to see how things progress because of that. Yeah, I did see yesterday that people were trying to boycott MLB because <laughs> people were kneeling and I was just like, oh, okay, so we're back We're in. back here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've regressed again. Yeah, but then it's uh, bringing that energy back to the conversations, I guess, in a very, yeah, in a very annoying way, but it's getting people to talk about things again. And in a public stage where millions of people are seeing it. I mean, in some ways it could be like the black square, but <laughs> it's it's funny because uh the nfl like everyone like it's rags on the nfl because like they're like the worst league when it comes to, like social justice they're the ones that kind of blackball colin kaepernick for doing all the kneeling stuff and whatnot but then it's kind of dumb like the nfl setting the play the black national anthem before the national anthem uh, during the first week of the season like what does that even do oh my god <laughs> Wait, what is the Black National Anthem? I've never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, but sorry my ignorance. I didn't know there was a Black National Anthem. I'm not saying, like, I honestly didn't know. 
So I'm not sure what. And I think some players are like, why the hell are we doing this? Like, what is what value does it have to pushing the end to racism, right? I mean, yeah, I don't want to hear about anything they're doing until they issue a public apology to Colin. <laughs> so, again, it goes back to the point, like, what are people doing? What kind of value does it add? And that's pretty much why, the big, the, that's pretty much the main theme of today's convo, right? So, are the actions we taking actually driving impact and results, or it's more like fluff? Yeah, everyone listening, are you driving results, or are you posting fluff? <laughs> Are you showing up to the movie club? <laughs> yes! <laughs> well, I guess that's a good place to end on the movie in full club. But um, that was a great conversation. But uh, do you have anything uh, to leave the audience with? Anyone? No, I just think everyone should keep the conversation going, even if it's just one sentence a week. Yeah. <laughs> I think that everyone should realize that we're all racist in certain ways and get over that so that they can start learning and, um yeah arrest those cops they killed brianna taylor yes time. go sign that petition send <laughs> the emails well i mean that's uh it for this episode but uh yeah. all right we'll see you all next time thank you for listening thank you to our guest katie and Yay. Uh, we'll be back. See ya. Bye. I'm a keep on running cause the winner don't quit on themselves.